You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. Welcome to Thank You for Your Servers, a show which looks at the tech news of today, but from a libertarian perspective. Now here are your hosts, Thaddeus and Gary. Thank you for logging on to Thank You for Your Thank You for Your Servers. I'm Thaddeus Preston, aka Nick Way, and this is our weekly rant about tech topics of the week from a libertarian perspective. And this week, I have a guest host, hopefully co-host. Introduce yourself, Gary. Hi, everybody. Uh, Gary Guthrie here. I'm sitting here over here on the left coast. Uh, this is my first time ever recording something for a podcast, so bear with me. And my uh, glass of Woodford Reserve that um, hopefully will keep me loose, but not too loose. Excellent, excellent. This podcast is brought to you by the Make Liberty Great Again network of podcasts, and we're ready to get into it. So with no further ado, the new co-host of Thank You For Your Servers wants to get into the first topic. Gary, man, you take it away, man. So, uh... Last week, a co-worker of mine actually turned me on to the new uh, Ring Neighborhood app and uh, wanted to kind of explore that a little bit. I, one of my backgrounds is network security, data security, and it was interesting to me that we had uh, this application that people could share content that was recorded at their doorstep. And the idea is that these ring doorbells that everybody's getting, everybody's familiar with, and they're uploading all of their videos to the cloud, they can share that information with their neighbors whenever something suspicious happens, whenever a package gets stolen, that sort of thing. And for me, it, it's kind of a scary thing just because people are sharing this stuff. Sounds a little big brotherish to me, right? There's, yeah, it, there's a temptation to go conspiracy theorist on it, that there's something bigger going on and everything. But really, from a practical standpoint, to really focus on what's going on, what the use is, because I, I actually downloaded the app and I put my neighborhood in place and I was able to see within a mile or two of my house you know, a couple of incidents that had happened and a couple of recordings that people had done. And it was really eye-opening that here I am in South Orange County, California, supposedly one of the safest places in the world. And we've got people stealing packages from doorsteps. We've got people breaking into cars at night. So it was very, like I said, eye-opening. But at the same time, I'm sitting here going from a security standpoint. Okay, these people are just blindly sharing their information with the world. What are the what what's the possible outcome of this and and what does it mean going forward where you know people are just signing up for this stuff and, and they're clicking the the disclosures and the privacy notices without reading anything and Oh yeah, you just click through that stuff these days, right? Cuz it's so nebu- it's so nebulous right. and legalese and you know, and indemnifying to the company in question. I guess what I take from the story is I think there's a selfish reason why Amazon's doing this. Like, 
it's not a good it's not it's not a good look to have your packages that you deliver stolen off of front porches. So they're they have a selfish reason for it. Also, from a analytical standpoint, like I mean, inevitably, that's a lot of data that is being dumped into the cloud. There's other uses for that types of data, right? Particularly the image data and stuff like that. Yeah, it is a bit frightening, but I think that's this. I mean, it seems to be that that's just the reality of the world today. People are just oversharing this stuff. And there is great value that can come from oversharing that stuff. But, I mean, you know, you said they'll put on the conspiracy theory hat. But, I mean, I mean, it is freaky, right? I mean, this stuff can be inevitably Absolutely. subpoenaed. Absolutely. In the future, right? <laughs> so, I mean, I understand why, right? I mean, no one likes their packages being stolen. And, like, you want to find out who the hell did that. And, and if it helps a company from a... Um, I guess from a data standpoint, to, from a trend standpoint, to know like what neighborhoods it's probably best to not leave packages on the on the front porch and maybe just deliver it to a um, a distribution center or an intermediate center so that the customer experience is better. That's the positive. It helps them not lose a lot of money. That's a positive. But yeah, what are we what are we inevitably giving up for the convenience of this? Well, I will I will tell you, you know, just from a strict consumer standpoint and a and a resident standpoint, it's a brilliant application. I, I was really surprised at how at least perceptually valuable this thing is, where I can go in and look at this thing and say, okay, show me some of the things that are going on in my neighborhood and it gives me a set of eyes that I never had before. So brilliant move on the part of there's something to be said about that transparency yeah yeah just knowing your surroundings right i mean brilliant move on the part of amazon and whatever their motives are i'm sure there are some legitimate ones are there some nefarious ones i don't know maybe but am i scared of it i i don't know i don't know i think there's a, there's a little bit of a there's a little bit of opportunity for it to be fear but also i think this is the future there are positive aspects to you know for for neighborhood safety, law enforcement, and and you're really indemnifying a company against, you know, anything else that's, <laughs> that happens to happen here. And that, that'll happen in the future, right? I mean, you know, when you're, again, what we, we will find along, uh, across many of our stories on the, in the show is, you know, when you're dealing with people, you can't have this utopian view of like, you know, hey, being able to order things and having it delivered and stuff like that. There's potential for fraud, there's potential for things to be stolen. And, and, uh, but I, 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 you, you stated it best, you know, but people, when yet, whenever you inject human beings into the mix, I don't care how well intentioned the people are or how well intentioned the company is. Somebody is going to be in there looking to take advantage of it and they will. It's the nature of security. <laughs> hence, hence why this, uh, this application exists. And so, yeah, but that said, uh, I, I think we should probably get into the uh, one, one of our first kind of, uh, you know, not deep dive topics, but the, the topics uh, uh, of the show today. And I think I think it is just uh, IPOs. And I think uh, really dealing with I'm very, very fascinated by this, particularly because you and you and I both kind of came up in the 90s and we saw like the dot com boom and we were always very, you know, we're also very hesitant about these new companies going public, but it's also like this this like new crop of IPOs that seem to be coming to public market. Um, they they're, they're not coming to public market as quickly uh, as as companies in the past. Um, Amazon, of course, being one of them. Um, but we they're coming to market after having been 
um, on the market for like, you know, uh, having been companies for a decade. The first one that, that filed a confidential IPO this week was WeWork. And WeWork is the, uh, is the, is the tech company that uh, I guess is responsible for co-working spaces. And I think from their perspectives, uh, the creators of this company, I mean, they transform buildings into these in dynamic working environments for collaboration. And they filed for an IPO this week. They will um, probably, tr- they will most likely, looks like they'll trade on the New York Stock Exchange. Um, but looking at their numbers, man, like they're, they're not profitable, but they've been making money. Like, I mean, you they're making money, but they're just not profitable. I mean, now, is this had, one uh, of these? I, I, I'm sorry, but I'm I'm unfamiliar with this company. Is this one of these where they create like eggs? Like, you know what I'm saying? These seats that look like eggs that are supposed to be like isolation chambers, or I mean, or, or yeah, is this one like of I these? think it, I think in a lot of their co-working spaces, they have these kind of isolation chambers. They have these areas where you can you have basically it's like a hot desk. Right. Like you just kind of drop in with your laptop and you, you know, there's amenities there. Like, like, for instance, I've actually seen some of these where they've had these like little isolation eggs and these little cubicles and stuff like that. And I've read an article in the past where WeWork is just a it's not a, really a tech company. It's more of a real estate company. I mean, has this that happens to just use tech. Have these ideas ever worked? I mean, in the mid 2000s, I worked for uh I worked for Capital One, and we we tried a lot of this stuff, and we found that it really didn't work. I mean, is it just another one of these trendy things that's coming along? Or well, the, I get the fact that the matter is that it, it has been tried internally in some of these companies. I think this works only because they threw a veneer of technology over it, and so one can efficiently, like they are, like allocate these real estate holdings to have these co-working spaces i mean the proof's in the pudding i mean since you know in 2017 they made 886 million wow in 2018 (laughs) they made 1.82 billion now granted they're still in in those respective years they've lost uh 933 billion a million and 1.9 billion uh, a 9.9 billion respectively in 2017 2018 um but they've increased by like 105% and 108%. And, and, and I mean, they're, they're growing like leaps and bounds. And granted, they're still not profitable, but they have crazy occupancy rates in these co-working spaces. And you got to think it's a different generation of people who actually like these co-working spaces. I, for one, don't, but there's a huge generation of these kind of, um, uh, these, these kind of freelancers, right? Um, you know, that's that's a good point. I mean, maybe back in the, you know, 15 years ago, we were just ahead of our time and we were trying to implement something for the sake of doing it rather than actually finding people who could latch on to it and uh, find their efficiencies from yeah, it. Yeah, I know with the contracting company I was with, like, there was always co-working space to go to um, simply because, like, sometimes you had to move around, sometimes you had to do... So I've been doing it my whole... Since I've, you know, left the military, I've been doing it my whole, like, professional career where it's just, like, I need a laptop, an account, and access to your network, and typically I'm going to work wherever I can. And, you know, I don't like it. I like having an office. I like having a, a place to be, but apparently these, you know, a lot of freelancers, and from a liberty perspective, I mean, you know, your sole proprietor, your one man, two man operation. Why do you need to rent office space? Um, you know, you do whatever it you takes. You do whatever it takes, yeah. right? And and so, 
yeah, so these guys are going public. And then, of course, the granddaddy of them all who will be going public here is everyone's company, that the company that everybody in Silicon Valley hates, and that is Uber. Um, Uber is oh, yeah, yes. Uber is expected to raise between eight eighty and one hundred billion dollars in its IPO. Oh my god! It will make uh, it will probably make uh, the hated Travis. Uh, what is it? Uh, what's his What's his last name? I don't even I don't remember. But it'll make Travis uh, Kal- Kalanick worth eight billion dollars at the high end. Even though Silicon Valley hates his guts. Um, I like the guy. I like the guy because he spits in the eye of the valley. Um, but like they are been losing money forever. But like they're losing money. They, they have unlike Lyft, which went IPO a couple weeks ago. Like their other verticals, uh, you know, revenue generation schemes in Uber. Like Uber Eats is really, really big in the urban centers. Um, this is just an anecdotal story. Like a guy I work with. His wife is a retiree. She drives for Uber. She says nearly seventy percent of her of, of what she does is do Uber Eats, um, and not to mention like every city I go to, like it's yeah you see Uber and Lyft. Um, you have people who double dip who do Uber and Lyft, uh, who are drivers. Um, this company is huge, and and to think that they won't long term do anything in the logistics space, to do anything in like the autonomous vehicle space. Um, they are, they're making money, uh, and they're, and it's, it's kind of weird. I mean, just their roadshow shows that they're not, they're not terribly profitable, but I mean, you know, what is it? I think I'm trying, I'm trying to bring up their, their revenues here. Like, uh, the ride share, uh, ride from ride sharing specifically, Uber's revenues increased from 3.5 billion in 2016 to 9.2 in 2018. Now, granted, you know they have to dis- they distribute that right because they have drivers and stuff like that. But their gross bookings are 41.5 billion dollars last year, and it's a massive company. I don't care how much they're losing. I think this one has a little bit more longevity than Lyft. You know, I don't I don't know what you feel about it uh, about Uber. I mean, I like the company. I, I I love the entrepreneurial aspect of it. I, I have. I- admittedly never used uber or lyft uh my daughter has um she has had mixed reports on it but i'll tell you something one thing that i really love about uber and lyft is they're really taking the i guess you could say the kind of i I don't want to say a loophole or whatever but they're kind of spitting the eye of all the taxi companies and that sort of thing that traditionally has required an insane amount of investment and insane amount of licensing and they're really kind of doing away or or sidestepping it i guess is the best word i love the fact that they're not asking for permission they're just asking for forgiveness that's why i fell in love with the company it's 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 the ultimate counter economics way to get into a market and yeah it hasn't worked in every market but for the most part like they grew so big so quickly and became such an essential service that cities that have attempted to ban them, Austin being one example, people have been highly upset. <laughs> that, yeah. and, 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 and eventually Uber came back. And, right. and so, yeah, I, I, I love this. I, 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 I'm, I'm always happy when people get rich, particularly from an idea 
um, that no one wanted to be plausible, right? Everyone well, loves think- it. You, you know, when you think outside the box, you, you think outside of the the legal box, if you will. I mean, look at what Tesla did with their uh, direct-to-consumer sales with no dealerships, right? Yeah, yeah. You want to yeah. talk they're, about— They're still fighting those, too. They're still fighting those in some Oh, states. yeah, yeah. But uh, they're doing it brilliantly. But, but yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, state by state, they're going to have their own rules and regulations, but— um, Tesla has done an amazing job of just navigating this weird angle that nobody ever thought of because we've been selling cars the same way for a hundred years. You yeah. Know? No, man. And so, uh, congratulations. Uh, hopefully I, 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 the congratulations will be in order for these companies. Both of these companies are well, almost 10 years old. Um, they've taken a very circuitous route to IPO and, you know, um, this is just proof positive, man, that when you, you, you think outside the box and you don't ask for permission and you just kind of come with a different angle of things, man. You can absolutely positively just change the world. Speaking of which, man, like so um, I'm here in SpaceX. Another Elon Musk property is attempting to launch broadband satellites into into orbit to give us ubiquitous broadband. This is yeah, this is this is very interesting. Um I work in the IT space, uh, in the, uh, particularly in auto finance industry. And this idea of global broadband coming to areas where traditionally they haven't had connectivity or, or they haven't had the ability to connect and, and be that from either just because of physical limitations, because of the cover, the companies that are there haven't had the opportunity to expand out into the areas where these people are. I think this is a phenomenal move. Uh, I think Elon Musk is a genius for uh, tapping into this. Uh, interesting, you know, I'm, lo- I'm looking at an article right now where they're negotiating essentially with the FCC to have their their satellites uh, put at lower altitudes. And it's kind of a cool move. They, They originally had signed up to put these satellites at a very high altitude, which was going to require more satellites. Um, it was going to require more power to get them up there. They've negotiated with the FCC and the, and the whole reason for having them at a higher altitude is, um, coverage. Yeah coverage right but there's this whole aspect of space debris right we've had so many satellites launched into orbit we've had so much stuff up there and not just things that the u.s has had control over or or an agreement with we've had kind of rogue launches yet when you talk about iran launching stuff up there and they're just like, well, I don't care about what your rules are about where we need to launch this thing. We're just going to launch it. Right. Yeah. So SpaceX has gotten the approval and it's almost kind of a win-win situation. They've got an approval to basically, I think almost have the, uh, or more than have the altitude that they were going to have these things orbiting at. It requires less satellites but also on the other side, if one of these satellites becomes disabled and has to come down to Earth, it's only going to take it a few years to come down, fully burn up in the atmosphere, which is 
the design of the satellite, right? Um, SpaceX is actually designing these things to destroy themselves if they need to. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I'm super excited about that. It's yeah, I, I from a from a space perspective, it, it definitely makes sense for higher aperture for you know better coverage. Hence, you would probably you, you you know it would probably be better. But like yeah, there's a lot of junk up there, um, and there's there's free space in this kind of these this kind of intermediate altitude to allow them to you know give give this coverage and stuff. And, and the broader point, right? It's like what. What will this inevitably enable, right? Even if SpaceX goes, you know, TU in the next 10 years, if they get these things in orbit, right? The, the, the thing about it is, like, satellites are designed to, you know, to, to have, like, a very uh, uh, finite shelf life in orbit. But I remember when I worked in, in, in aerospace, and particularly uh, space communications and stuff, satellites that had, had no business being up there longer than 10, 15 years, had been up there 20, 25 years, as long as you, you know, tweak their orbits and do whatever and stuff like that. So imagine even if going forward, SpaceX is no longer a going concern in 10 years, these satellites will be there and like that connectivity will exist. Right. And yeah, just to be being able to go to places like, you know, sub-Saharan Africa or, you know, uh, the Moab or, or Zion National Park in Utah or anything like that and, and have some sort of kind of, you know, relatively low latency, you know, you know, mid, mid-tier broadband bandwidth. Yeah, I think they're, they're, they're talking stuff. about less than 15 milliseconds of latency at this lower altitude. That would be, yeah, that's actually, that's the better part of being at much more lower altitude is like, the round trip time is greatly decreased as opposed to you, you sacrifice a little bit of coverage, but you got, you have this incredible latency because it's like, yeah, like the round trip time will be much, much better. Will it be perfect for like streaming gaming? No. And I don't really think that's what it's designed for. I don't really think it would even be all that good for, um, you know, video communications, maybe voice communications. But I mean, I, 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 this 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 is the like this is the stuff I love geeking out about. It's like Elon Musk smoking weed, Rogan. Yeah, he gets you know. Yeah, there's a little bit of cronyism here, man. But the the man is trying to change the world, and I may not necessarily agree entirely with his motives for doing so, man. But at every turn, no matter if it's you know digging, trying to dig a tunnel under the L.A. freeway, or you know a giant flamethrower, um, right, <laughs> or launching like 4,000 low earth orbit satellites into orbit or whatever. I, I, I God bless the man, dude. You know, not that I love it. it, it <laughs> I mean, I have a, a, the only fear I have, you know, and this goes back to kind of the Liberty point of it all is, and you said it, what happens if the company goes to you? What, what happens if SpaceX just says, okay, we're done. But, in the process of putting this stuff together, they've created a dependency, right? Mm-hmm. Right. I, yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely, I, 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 and I'll let you finish your thought, man. I have a story about that, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the, I mean, my, my fear is that you've got a dependency. Now you've got people who have invested maybe even their own existence or their own sustenance into the system that was built by Elon Musk. Well, he's no longer here because, okay, the company went belly up or he flew to Mars and said, okay, forget it. We're done. 
you know, whatever the case yes. is, right? But the fear yes. is now you've got these people who are dependent on it and you've got a void of who's running this thing. And by default, who takes over? Yeah, you're getting there. You understand? Yeah, you're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> you, you see, you're almost there. No, you remember you remember the uh, ir- uh, was it, Iridium constellation? Yes. Yes. That You know who owns the Iridium constellation now? I do not. Me, me, and, me and you. Really? <laughs> the American wow. taxpayer. Yep. <laughs> Iridium, Ir- Iridium went Iridium rent tea up um, in, in uh, the mid-2000s. Because wow. I remember, because I was in Ethiopia when you know when we were kind of concerned because we would take these 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 uh, these ra- these phones basically with us, and you know I was able to call my wife back in Germany when I was you know in you know the middle of Addis Ababa or whatever, and um, or Diradawa, one of those cities out there near Somalia, and uh, yeah, what ended up happening is the U.S. government was heavily dependent on it, us. And the company was going to go bankrupt. And so the U.S. government ultimately ended up taking over, like basically paying them in a contract to maintain um, until such time as something else came online. Um, but I, I still think Iridium is still like has a government contract. Wow. And then that's ultimately who ended up taking it over. Yep. And, you know, Iridium was a smaller constellation. I can imagine what, you know, 4,000 low Earth orbit satellites you know, it, it takes a lot to maintain these things in orbit, and it's 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 multiple ground stations, it's ground crews, it's you know orbital mechanics constantly trying to figure out what's going. That that costs money, and yeah, like if SpaceX can't do it, or if they can't you know lease out that capability and break it up in the event that SpaceX goes you know the the way of um, Pets.com, um, then yeah, we will ultimately <laughs> we will ultimately end up being responsible for it there's a lesson to be learned here culturally that you know we can't be investing ourselves into this technology i mean here we are i mean look at us we're sitting here i'm in california i've got i'm talking on a freaking cell phone i've got a tablet with a document open i've got a, a computer that's recording voice i am invested just in this podcast into so much technology if one of these pieces breaks i'm i'm hosed right yeah and you know not to go full survivalist or whatever but there's a value culturally in knowing okay we need to plan for the inevitable that if all this stuff goes away how do we survive as a people right now we can't isn't yeah isn't it isn't it a little meta to think that maybe like it's all it's ironic more than anything that like once this constellation, if this constellation is to get fully operational, it will enable people to kind of live in the middle of nowhere and be relatively self-sufficient. But yet this being the only tether they have back to civilization, do you think maybe this would make us, while dependent on SpaceX, these SpaceX satellites for communication, ultimately not allowing us to live in more remote locations so that we are less dependent on people? That is a fantastic thought i mean it really we're we're in a weird place where it's uncharted territory right we don't know and what will come of it it'll be interesting to watch at least i don't know well we shall see but good luck to spacex now i get to now it's my turn 
to yell. It's my, it's my, what I like to call my weekly uh, sinophobia rant, um, particularly when it comes to everyone's fear, most feared, the most feared mobile company in the world, Huawei out of China. And uh, this one, uh, starting with really this BBC story that kind of jumped off from this TechCrunch story I read. So the UK has kind of gave, they call it an amber light for uh, some of the telecoms in the UK to start using some Huawei equipment on non-core, um, uh, uh, not uh, some of their non-core mobile networks, right? And as a response to this, right, because the UK intelligence organizations have said like, ah, you know, what we would use this Huawei equipment for, you know, um, based on what the carriers have submitted eh, isn't necessarily critical and wouldn't necessarily be a threat to national security. But in our continue, in our continuing sinophobia here in the United States, in our war against all things Chinese, uh, the U.S. officials have warned that there is no safe level of involvement with the tech, uh, with the tech giant. You should use none of the equipment that uh, Huawei provides. U.S. You, the U.S. has warned that its intelligence sharing with other countries would be reevaluated if those countries were to use Huawei's built, uh, uh, use Huawei to build their 5G networks. Um, and you know, say what you will about the military and in, intelligence industrial complex that is the first world nations of New Zealand, Australia, UK, and US sharing intelligence, which they've done for since the end of World War, you know, two. Um, this is just more strong arming because I think there, while there's a rational fear, it starts to bore on the irrational. When it comes to Huawei, here's a dirty little secret about Huawei. Huawei owns a lot of 5G patents. It doesn't matter if Vodafone in, in Europe or Verizon in the United States don't use Huawei equipment. They will use Huawei IP. And, and so I don't know if maybe, maybe the prohibition on buying the equipment is ultimately what we want because I, I called it basically neo-mercantilism, right? We're like, we're telling our companies here that you can't use any Huawei equipment. It's, you know, and it's even kind of synced on to me. Huawei makes excellent phones, but I've yet to really even buy one because I was afraid of the fact that it was, you it know. It was spying on you, a, yeah. A former member of the <laughs> Chinese military. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, you know, a former member of the Chinese military started this telecommunications company. And on... Um, and they have been found lacking when it comes to some of their security, particularly in a lot of their 4G equipment that's been deployed to other countries around the world. But the, it's kind of hard to ascertain if it's negligence on the part of their software engineers and the software they use. There's been some things that are there have been some back doors that have been found in some of the routing equipment and stuff. But that's typically normal in that type of equipment. But, yeah, it was just... Is it shoddy software or is it industrial espionage? I mean, this 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 sinophobia is really sick in the sense that like these networks are going to get built one way or the other. Now, granted, we've had the contention. I have the contention that like there's still a long way to go before we have ubiquitous 5G. I mean, you know, between broadband satellites and orbit to continue build out of 4G LTE. 
and you know what little 5G will be deployed at least in the sub six gigahertz range. I mean, what are they hoping to accommodate? Are they, are they trying to ban all Chinese-made equipment for use in all telecommunications networks in the world? Tough. That's going to be tough to do because no Nigerian telecom company or some South American telecom company is going to buy expensive Qualcomm or, or Ericsson or Nokia-based stuff. So I, I, I don't get this. This this is just more of this protectionist mercantilist crap that really just irks me, right? Because it impedes progress. It's the reason why we can't get a ZTE phone on Verizon or, or like Huawei was going to bring phones to Verizon, AT&T, but we're stopped. Yeah. Right. Was it ZTE or was it Huawei? It, yeah, it was one of the two. And I really wanted access to those phones through my carrier. But I can't I can't get them through the carrier. I have to order them myself, which is fine. I, I'm gotten into the habit of spending five, six hundred dollars for my phones now. But like it's just protectionism and it's gross. And it's it's it, it's not it's it's not liberty, bro. It's not liberty. Yeah. Anytime, you know, I I speak from a. You know, philosophically, I'm totally, you know, 100% open borders, 100% open market. It, 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 why are we controlling anything at any level? Um, I understand there's there's practical tempering that you have to do at some point. I don't know. I struggle with that a lot. But I, I get what you're saying. Um, why are we, is it fear? Is it control? I, I have a feeling it's more control than it is fear. Um yeah, yeah, definitely. And maybe it's just straight up, uh, you know, trying to send a message. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess. Know. Yeah, I guess on on a lot of different fronts, we're trying to send this much more stronger message to China, be it militarily or be it economically. Um, I, I, you know, from from a from a geek angle, I just don't like it getting in the way of me getting access to cool stuff. Right. Um, I, I, I ultimately understand the, the MAGA perspective of like, you know, you know, they have kind of been taken advantage of entering, you know, ever since they entered the WTO in the late to early 90s. Um, yeah, they've been eating our lunch and there's not there. There's no doubt that there's industrial espionage. I mean, I look at and read and see stuff every day. I go to Alibaba. Yeah, but in, you know, industrial you know, espionage, I mean, that's that's everywhere, you know. If you're yeah no that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying like I I, I, I I'm sympathetic to it I, I mean maybe as a, maybe if I were a, a maker I would care I but I just don't right right and and I, I and, and it, it gets me cheap stuff <laughs> right I mean I'm not a, I'm not Tucker Carlson here and thinking that like you know cheap stuff is is, is in and of itself a sin to you know greater Amer- bigger American greatness I just don't see I, I, I don't like getting caught up in these battles, right? And, and and it's just this trade battle between us and the Chinese. And yeah, I appreciate, you know, trying to meet, have a much more um, uh, sterner line, uh, you know, holding a line against Chinese mercantilism. But Well, at the same time, you know, for, from a security standpoint, I have to look, you know, in the company I work for, we house and... Uh, we're the custodians of a lot of credit data. I mean, 60,000 credit reports a month or more are coming to our system. I can go in there potentially and go look at any of these credit reports and steal that person's data if I didn't have the controls in place to know, okay, well, Gary Guthrie just went in, logged in, and did a 
full-on data dump of ABC Motors car dealerships credit reports that they pulled for the past six months, right? So I I get that, and and I found myself, and this is not, you know, this doesn't really touch on Huawei. This is more of a kind of a a practical level discussion at this point, but. I have had to tell my CEO, I have the power to do this when he wants to go do something silly, you know, like go get an unvetted vendor to come in and uh, integrate with our systems. Sorry, I, I have to go and do some due diligence on this person. And I get that fear. I get that kind of panic up front, especially when you're dealing with China. So I, I, I can kind of be sympathetic to that, to that point that, Overall, you know, hey, we haven't checked this out. We don't have the visibility we need. We've got some serious concerns here. At the same time, I get the free market. Yeah. So it almost seems like we need to. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like you're saying, like, stop worrying about outside influences. Right. Like, I mean, worry about our controls within. Right. I mean, it's, you know, the the. not to get off on a complete tangent and stuff like that. I mean, we worry about, you know, backdoors and our you know, servers and equipment and stuff like that. And in like nine times out of 10, most of the espionage that take place takes place sneaker. It's sneaker netted. It's an inside job. Absolutely. I'm not worried about like the technical, you know, the technical know-how that and the technical hoops you have to jump through to like backdoor into a piece of core router equipment and then jump into, you know, t- into another piece of routing equipment to a switch to a whatever. I I, I, I just don't see it. And this is why this this, this stuff kind of, infuriates me but i mean I, I i get the concern but i mean that's 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 for companies to deal with the the hassle of worrying you know is it is it worth the risk and the cost to buy huawei equipment to build out a 5g network quickly right or is there so much um baggage associated with that that then the market will decide like nah whatever but i also don't like like u.s government u.s government you know kind of putting its hand on the scales there because New Zealand and Australia already have banned Huawei equipment right. in the build out of their networks. I think it's I think it's just mercantilism at its worst, but yeah, yeah, it, it, that was that was about as ranty as I got. I didn't, you know, I didn't get too crazy <laughs> about it. But with that said, I think, you know, the one the last thing we we should probably get into uh, is the uh, Facebook had its F8 conference this week there in uh in, the, in its backyard there. And Facebook has been quite in the news, particularly in the last uh, 48 hours. But like the F8 conference is their big conference, kind of like Google I.O. Or, or when Apple has a keynote and stuff like that. I mean, they announced new Oculus stuff. Um, you know, they, they, Facebook Messenger got an update. Um, I think they got the Facebook, I call it, it's called Facebook Crush. I actually think it's called Facebook Stock. Um, so huh. it's a new kind of, uh, I guess they have this, like, I guess in other markets, they have this dating service um, that's built into their system. Um, you know, they're, they're going to now go uh, privacy first uh, when it comes to, um, what is it, like uh, how their platform will operate. I'm still, you know, they, you know, they, they, they uh, I guess in the keynote that uh, Mark Zuckerberg gave, I guess they addressed a lot of the problems they've been having head on this year. And um, particularly when it comes to, you know, the, the fact that they've had to, they're going to have to set aside like three billion dollars or something stupid like that to deal with potential fines from the FTC or P and commission and, and, and whatnot. 
So, you know, the, the big things, I guess, is there, if you haven't noticed, I don't know how often you go on Facebook, they've redesigned the Facebook web app. Yep. Uh, it, yeah, um, particularly on mobile. Um, you know, Instagram has some new features. I'm not an Instagram guy, so I don't really care. Um, Facebook message, Messenger uh, now has a really a web app, which they've needed for you know a really a really long time. You know, Oculus has a new kind of thing coming out, and and of course there's the Facebook Crush. I call Facebook Stock, um, which will allow one to um, actually probably it'll allow probably a lot more infidelity because it's you know it's secret crushes, right? So you can be like you can poke someone and say, hey, you can you can be a true creeper to people and like. To make Liberty a great uh, uh, network uh, 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 Facebook group. Okay. Um, you know. <laughs> if this just sounds so weird. I mean, uh, don't we have enough stalkers? I don't know. Like, I don't know what you think of these things. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm kind of liking the redesign for the mobile app and the, and the web app. But, um, I mean, Facebook is kind of, kind of done. I mean, particularly for my, I have teenage daughters, and they, I mean. They don't do the Facebook. They do the Instagram, um, which, you know. Likewise, yeah. yeah big up to. Instagram and uh, Snapchat. Yes. and, and in, Gigantic. And, uh, and in the foreign markets in particular, everyone uses uh, WhatsApp. Um, yep. That, who, who my, are, my wife's uh, best friend from growing up lives in Spain, and they connected on WhatsApp. And it turns out, my wife was born and raised in Ecuador, and... Her friend moved to Spain, and WhatsApp is like the only communication that they use between them and all of their friends from growing up. It's kind of amazing that this thing is like this global phenomenon that here in the U.S. it's like what what is it? Yeah. I don't. I, there's I literally no there's literally only one person in the United States for which I use WhatsApp with. It's a friend of mine out of, who lives in San Diego. Um, other than that, everyone else who is on WhatsApp are my my uh, my father's family from Nigeria, and um, yeah, that's that's it's 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 crazy when you get outside the U.S. Like, yeah, it's 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 huge outside of China. It is massive. Um, that was probably it's kind of you know, there's great acquisitions that tech companies have made. Like, you got to remember, like Google's purchase of YouTube was laughed at, right? Um, Facebook's purchase of, um, I'm sorry, um, Google's purchase of DoubleClick, Amazon's purchase of, oh God, who'd they purchase? They, they purchased someone and it just kind of skyrocketed. I think Kiva Robots or something. Um, same thing with Facebook. When Facebook bought like Instagram, on the Instagram, I was just like, what? Why? It's, it's growing almost as fast as their core product. Right. And, and when they bought WhatsApp, it was just like, well, why the hell would you buy WhatsApp? Well... There's a almost a billion users why you buy WhatsApp, and particularly for international markets. Yep. The other big announcement that's probably going to make people upset, but I kind of don't see I, I kind of don't see why people are upset about it because it was inevitable. Is they're going to allow unified communications across the messaging services of Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, and Instagram. Um, hopefully, and of course because of their new privacy first initiatives. <laughs> Um, it, I, I assume it'll be opt-in and that was going to happen to, to, and you knew it was going to happen because a lot of the principal guys who started WhatsApp left the board because it was inevitable that Facebook was going to, you know, cause when they bought WhatsApp in the past, so oh, no, you, you won't have to advertise or you won't have to monetize or whatever. We just want, that was a goddamn lie to be honest. But I mean, and a lot of those guys left the board. 
and left the company. Um, you know, they're billionaires anyway. And we've they've started consolidating uh, their platform. And um, hmm. I don't really see anything the matter with it. And um, But, yeah, it's going to make people upset. Um, and, of course, you know, there's always, for developers, the ability to use and tap into Facebook's ad data, all the, all the data it could, can. However, with the fact that they got beat up over um, Cambridge Analytica because, you know, um, the Russia hoax wasn't the only hoax the global elite didn't like that they blamed on Facebook. Uh, Brexit, they, Brexit. I enjoyed I, I enjoyed Zuckerberg's testimony before Congress probably way too much. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, again, the, 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 these the fact that he he even he, love or hate the man, the fact that he even has to go on bended knee to to get berated by these people who don't even know what Facebook is um, and have him. They don't even know what the Internet is. I mean, uh, some of that stuff was so ridiculous. I, I don't know. You got a bunch of 80 year olds trying to figure this out. I mean, and then and then wanting to legislate based on their ignorance, which I think is, is, is blows me away. Right. Right. That's the part that just kills me. Yeah. But hey, you know, that's what we get. And so with that said, like a, the other Facebook news coming in, sliding in under. Uh, the rate, oh, not necessarily under the radar, but you know, like under our little, I, I like to call my arbitrary cutoff window for finding stories to talk about was the great right wing purge, purging such luminaries as Laura Loomer, crazy right winger, Alex Jones, crazy right winger, Milo Yiannopoulos, crazy right winger, and Minister Louis Farrakhan of the Nation of Islam, how a, a right wing figure. When I heard, when I saw that, I, I choked. I choked on my. I choked on my Guinness. That's it's like, it's like what? <laughs> it's like I'm sorry. Um, uh, Louis Farrakhan is brother. Brother Farrakhan is many things. Right wing ain't one of them. <laughs> right wing. <laughs> like, but like now, here's the deal. So I. But then I read all these breathless stories from right wing outlets because you know I'm an evil right winger. Um, like the, the, did you read, I put it in the show notes. Did you read that unhinged article from the guy of, from human events? And it's just like, the, no, the guy is out no, for I, bl- I mean, he was like the, the long the light of the night of the long knives. I'm like, well, I, I mean, you know, it's not, it's not light. Of the, it's not night of the long knives or crystal knocks or anything like that. It's just some people who were fringe got kicked off of Facebook permanently. Um, yeah, that's. That's that's fine. Uh, well, it's not fine actually. It's actually kind of chilling. But like, here's 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 the commentary I posted in the Make Liberty a Great like f- Facebook group. And it's just like the battle is now joined. The left and the right are going to basically come together to inter to intervene from a regulatory perspective on these platforms. These platforms, as inst- as instruments of free expression, will effectively die soon. Right. The 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 Russia the Russia hoax and the 2016 election that broke the United States of America was the first straw. Dragging, like you said, having watching Mark Zuckerberg get dragged up there, Jack Dorsey get dragged up there and yelled at because you know particularly one side didn't like the results of the election, and and to compensate for that side that doesn't like the election, the other side is pissed at Facebook because they are they are arbitrarily just 
you know, for lack of a better word, zucking people off the platform left and right. There's no culture of free speech anymore in Silicon Valley. When you talk about a culture of free speech, I mean, that, that to me, it, that speaks to me, you know, we, because I don't think we speak a lot about culture, values, language, or, um, or norms even, right? We, we've got this culture of, it's kind of weird, you know, when we talk about the left and the right, there's no center point. There's no, if you come from the off the wall, which is what we do a lot of times, you know, we, we look at the left and right as what it is. It's the clown world, right? And yes, absolutely. And, and we're coming at it going, oh my God, you people can't even talk to each other because this guy voted for Donald Trump and therefore he must be Satan because he hates everything and and you don't know anything about this person other than who they voted for or whatever you know and and it's silly right you get the trump derangement syndrome is a bipartisan affair right but it goes both ways too because you've got the obama derangement syndrome too right oh no and i'm saying i i i i'm a recovering obama derange derangement syndrome like you know patient um but it only took it, and it only took me, you know, watching the 2016 elections, which broke a lot of things and changed a lot of minds to see like, wow, like that's what we were like. And, you know, and, and, and now you're like, oh, wow. And, and there's just in these platforms, there's just this, it's just a group think that is destructive, that it, they're they're literally I went from going into Silicon Valley in the early 2000s or the mid 2000s where like they could, they could care less about what happened in Washington, D.C. or what happened in proper culture. They were these techno-utopian kind of libertarian-ish liberal types. And like to like to the, and I knew it was starting to fall apart when the net neutrality debate happened. Yep. And once I saw that, I'm just like, what in the hell is going on? And, and, and then and, and now they, they, they think it's a good idea to boot these people off when they don't understand like, yeah, you make your left wing cocktail party having friends out there in the valley happy because you kick you kicked off Milo Yiannopoulos or Laura Loomer or whatever. But all you've done is you've upset the right. And right now, you you you're already on thin ice with the left because Trump won and it's Facebook's fault. Um and then you already or or Twitter's fault. I mean, choose your social network. And then now you're upset in the right because you're suppressing the voices of people who don't necessarily tote the you know don't subscribe to the orthodoxy. And when you when the left and it's like the, from a libertarian perspective, right? You know we can talk we can speak frank as libertarians. Yep. When the left and the right agree on something, you better be damn scared. Absolutely. Um. And 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 that's what frightens me. This is this is a bad. This is bad, right? I mean, it's it, particularly Paul Joseph Watson getting permanently banned, who's right wing, but not Alex Jones. He's not Louis Farrakhan. He's not Laura Loomer. Right. Or, or, or what I affectionately call uh, uh, Laura Looney, right? Um, but you, and then it's affecting Steven Crowder. It's affecting, you know, um, um, Daily Wire. It's affecting all these outlets that are on these platforms. And there, you, you, it's like this. It's only it's like that. There, it's only a conspiracy theory. They're only you know if you think they're out to get you. But 
they might actually be out to get you. And you're reaffirming the loonies. Well, I think more than more more than just being out to get somebody or whatever, I think there's a deeper problem or a deeper sinister thing going on. And even the people, you know, the Facebook's coming out and saying, okay, well, we're going to ban this person for 30 days because they posted a picture of an offensive tattoo or something or whatever it was. Right. And we end up what it, what it does again, back to the cultural question is it when that happens over and over and over and over again, and I have seen people at least once a week, someone I know is getting, oh, a temporary Facebook ban or whatever. What it's doing to us internally is it's saying, you need to watch every single word you say every single time. And you need to be careful that what you're saying is appropriate and acceptable to the audience to which you are speaking. And it creates a very dangerous precedent. Culturally. Well, it's a precedent, but it's also we're internalizing it, whether we know it or not. You know, this is human human nature because I'll go to like the old Soviet Union. Yeah, you know, I'll go to a store or or something, and as I'm speaking to someone in line, I'm finding myself questioning and. Am I saying the right thing? Am I being careful enough? You know, oh, I don't want to offend somebody. The same thing was, yeah, the same thing was true in totalitarian regimes. Yeah. You know, uh, it, it wasn't necessarily jackbooted thugs, you know, snatching people up in the night randomly. It wasn't like microphones installed at every in every home and stuff like that. It was self-imposed. Right. And that's where we're going. You, internal, yeah, the internalization. Yep. Of the fact that in our culture that you're right that that will get us hurt and killed, um, and, and you know not and eventually killed probably. So yeah, I um, it's you know it's Facebook is trying to take a couple steps forward with its much more um, privacy focused messaging and like interactions, but as long as they have now gotten into the business of being a um, a curator of content, they've moved from the realm of being a platform to a publisher, and that opens them, and that will give the right a, a vector of attack to regulate. And then the left already wants to regulate simply because, like, if anyone's feelings get hurt, if anyone gets bullied, if anything, if 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 anything could be any incitement to violence or any act of violence could be traced back. To Facebook or Twitter and stuff like that, then they want that regulated, and that's all, all right. very dangerous. And it's all in the name of protecting these poor people who have been oppressed for so long. And you know, it's this feel-good type stuff where it's like, of course we have to do this. No, it, it, you people are missing the point. You know, there's a reason why free speech is just that. It's free speech. You have to be able to express your thoughts. And whether or not it's offensive is beyond the scope of, you know, what's right. I don't care if it's offensive. I'm going to say what I think. Okay, am I wrong? I might be wrong. But guess what? You have the opportunity now to come back at me and tell me I'm wrong and this is why. And we can have a conversation. I don't need somebody shutting me down because at a at a very high level, this could be 
wrong, or this could be construed as wrong, or this could possibly hurt somebody's feelings. God forbid. Yeah, and that's not universal either. That changes over time what is considered wrong. Yep. Right. And we we have a nasty tendency to look at things in the, particularly digging up people from the grave and chastising them for what they did in the past based on our contemporary view of how they should act um today versus like we, we can't pro- we can't project to the past the way they should have acted. Um and, and and yeah, you see a lot of that across all these platforms and I I I yeah, it's pretty gross. And I, I'd like it to stop. But I think we're not going to get that to stop until we get ultimately what both sides want, and that's market intervention or government or market intervention in the form of like a heavy hand of the FTC, FCC. You pick your three letter agency. Um, yeah, really, really, really bad week here for for that stuff. And it's just this is just an this is this escalation, I think, will not end well. Oh man, so yo, so I uh, mean, this has been yeah, this has been kind of a fun-filled inaugural episode with my new co-host here. Uh, any closing thoughts, man? I you know, if you want to rant about something, you know, we can uh, definitely go and uh, attempt it. I'm gonna save my rant for later. You know, once I once I can tighten things up a little bit more, I I I I, I gotta say, you know, for a for a first timer coming in and doing this stuff, I I, I enjoyed the conversation. I I think that uh, I could do this again, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. All right. Well, we'll, we'll again, we'll try it again next week. And hey, we'd like to tell everybody uh, that, you know, thanks for bearing with us here while we try to get this off the ground. This is one of many podcasts that are going to be on the Make Liberty a Great Network of Podcasts. And, you know, I, I just want to appreciate everyone and just kind of just, just stay with us, stick with us, man. We'll tighten this up. We'll make this boom, boom, boom. It'll be the tech news from the Liberty perspective that you will hopefully come to love. I am Thaddeus Preston, one of, you know, a.k.a. Nick Way. Follow me on Twitter at Nick Way, N-I-C-K-W-A-Y-E. Gary? I'm only on Facebook because I'm old and uh, I'll have to get that other stuff together at some point here and get me a bunch of hashtags or at tags or whatever you call them and, you know, try to try to at least speak the language. But uh, it's been a pleasure being here. I am on Facebook. Uh, You can find me somehow. But I'll get you that information later. Yeah, we'll get you. We'll get your Twitter game up, man. We'll get your Twitter game up. (laughs) No doubt. So, yeah. So, yeah. So signing off, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for hanging out with us here at Thank You For Your Servers. We are now logging off. Later, fam.